Welcome back to the Right Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Pomeroy. Here, I interview fellow professionals and learn about the human beings behind the credentials. You'll be touched by their stories as well as learn from their professional knowledge. Keep listening. The next guest might be the right fit for you. Hi, friends. It's so good to be back with you. I took a break over the summer to spend time with the kids and take an, a few family vacations. And and yeah, I've been antsy to get back with you and interview some more friends and colleagues and uh, learn from them. So I want to introduce you to my now good friend, Jen Cope. So Jen is a marriage and family therapist, and she works at Mindful Counseling in Provo. Um, so I knew Jen through Instagram. Um, I follow Tiffany Rowe, the owner of Mindful Counseling. And so along with another common friend, I, I found Jen's Instagram account, and she's just super fun to follow. She's, she's so good about just being herself, and she's really direct. She's not afraid to say what's on her mind and something that I kind of aspire to be more like. So I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation today. We talk about how mental health can be complex and how it can all layer together to just kind of end up being a mass of feeling unwell. And sometimes when we start with just that kind of mass of unwellness, it takes a bit of effort to pull it apart and explore it and try to understand where it's coming from. And so in our interview, Jen shares her story and some of the elements that she deals with, like being a highly sensitive person, OCD and trauma and trichotillomania, which is the medical term for hair pulling or skin picking, um, as well as, you know, relationship, how relationships impact us. So there's a lot in this episode, and I just so appreciate Jen's willingness to be authentic and really um, show herself to us. Here's Jen Cope. And you have your own practice, too. Um, so I work with a group practice. Cool. I work at the EFT clinic. Oh, cool. That's so a place. do a lot of uh, couples therapy. Yeah. Which I really love. Did you do MFT as your degree? Uh-huh. Cool. So tell me, where did you go to school? I went to school in upstate New York. In New York? Are mm-hmm. you from there originally? No. Oh, cool. So I grew up in Denver, moved out here to BYU, to go to BYU, mm-hmm. failed out miserably because yeah. BYU is so hard, unnecessarily. And then I went on my mission, and then I came home, failed out again at BYU. And I was like, mm, this isn't working. And so then I went to UVU, and then I went to upstate New York, and now we're back. Okay, it's been a journey. That is a so journey, much student debt. I'm thinking we're going to get into. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Because that, I think um, when we were talking about, okay, what topic should we discuss today, uh-huh. um, you kind of shared that you feel like it's important you're, that people know your story and that that's mm-hmm. kind of where you're coming from. Kind of informs my practice in yeah, a lot of ways. informs mm-hmm. what you do. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And I think everything, like I did my internship all in the hospital because my school was within the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so we did a lot of like medical family therapy. So I worked with a lot of individuals with cancer and chronic illnesses, but I also worked in OBGYN. So oh. a lot of postpartum moms like first-time moms, women's health issues, traumatic births, 
yeah. miscarriages and things like that. Yeah. And so it's been interesting to have that. And then now with the church perspective and just a mental health perspective, it's like, wow, this is all so tightly wound together. Yeah. So I yeah. see a lot of traumatic birth people mm-hmm. that are like, why? Like, I have so much faith. Why do I still cry every time I see my C-section scar? Like, because you almost died. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, I love, um, I love putting all the pieces together to help people feel compassionate about themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like one of my favorite things. That's why I love MFT too. Cause I feel like in social work, you're very problem centered. Like, okay, you're depressed. Let's talk about depression. Do you need meds? Like, what do you need? Whereas for me, I'm like, well, let's stretch it out and see what's inside. And there's stuff there. See what's inside. See like all the other things in your life. Totally. Those have mm-hmm. had to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my hope is to introduce people to you. Cool. People are trying to figure out who to work with and it can be so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And as we know, you know, getting, getting the fit right is mm-hmm. the most important part in finding mm-hmm. a therapist. Totally. I would love to talk about the, how things layer mm-hmm. kind of shared that with mm-hmm. me is like, how do these things layer in life so that we have these different issues right. and then it, we have these symptoms mm-hmm. and are not happy and are not feeling well. Mm-hmm. And um, so kind of talking about the idea of layers. Cool. But can we start with just a bit of your story? Sure. A little bit more like, what were you like as a kid? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's sweet of you to ask. <laughs> what was I like as a child? <laughs> um, I was like a very anxious, tiny child. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I grew up, my growing up was chaotic in a lot of ways. I think um, I heard something the other day that I really liked that people couldn't do their best according to their level of consciousness. And so, um, you know, when I, when I think about it in that sense, I do believe my parents were doing their best according to their level of consciousness, um, but it was still chaotic. And so um, I grew up um, with a lot of OCD thoughts. My very first, like, because I have pretty wicked OCD to this day. That I'm in twice weekly there before. And so, um, my very first obsessive thought is I was, I couldn't understand why people would swear. Like it was like swear words were just so overwhelming to me. Every time I heard a swear word, I would just like have a panic attack. Like I just didn't understand. And so there was one day I was at the, we were playing at the playground. I was like 11 and some teenagers had written swear words all over the playground and I counted them because I just could not believe. So I was like, I went to my mom. I was like, there was 26 swear words on the on the dinosaur over there. And she was like, why would you count those? Like, ah, like, don't look at the swear words, but I just could not understand why. And so then my OCD coupled with trichotillomania. So I'm a hair puller, which is one of my passion projects in terms of, I've done a lot of trainings for myself and then for clients in terms of hair pulling and skin picking and things like that. Cause it's, it, it just swallowed me for a while. So yeah. And so I pulled my hair all through high school and, um, even now, sometimes it's hard to look at pictures of me in high school because I know exactly how I did my eyeliner so nobody could see that I was pulling my eyelashes. I never went to pool parties or anything like that. And so not only from my family being kind of emotionally isolating, but I also was isolating myself because I was just I was so ashamed all the time of myself. And so it was a big, it's it was a big shame cycle for a long time. It makes me sad when I read my journals back. I'm like, young Jen Cope was so overwhelmed. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so it was like, I have an older sister, younger sister, younger brother. My older sister and I were, were pretty close. And my younger sister and I were pretty close. And my younger brother and I have a pretty big age gap. And so, like, we talk and things like that. But it was hard. 
Lots of things. Did you feel like, like looking back, do you remember being um, distressed at the time? Mm, or looking question. back, I mean, or is it when you look back, you go, oh, I must have been distressed? Mm, good question. Um, I think I was distressed at the time. Like I, re- yeah, I think I was distressed at the time because I remember, t- especially um, when I was probably twelve or thirteen, is um, I started using tweezers a lot to pick my hair, pull my skin, and um, I would start keeping track of tweezers more. That was distressing when I started to be like, I need, I need, I need tweezers, and I can't go on watching my show or anything without tweezers. Or I didn't bring my eye pencil today. I'm screwed. You know, like that was, it was, it was definitely, it was distressing in a different way than it is now. Cause back then I would, I would repent for my thoughts and my compulsions yeah. um, because I thought I was, I mean, it says in strength of youth, like if you have impure thoughts, then talk to your Bishop. And I was just like, I have all these horrible thoughts of swear words and sex and scary things. And I'm like, I'm screwed. So it's distressing, I think, for a different reason than it is now, for sure. For, for me right now, I'm like, my thoughts are clinically distressing and they're like, they rock me in a in a mental health way versus back then it was probably more of a religious way, which was hard yeah. to reconcile. Sure. Uh, me looking back at my childhood, I kind of asked that question in a selfish way mm-hmm. because I'm like, just looking back for myself, I kind of, there was chaos that yeah. I kind of didn't know was happening. Mm-hmm. And so when I look back, it's like, I remember feeling like everything was awesome. Yeah. And uh, and then I found out later that there was a whole bunch of not awesomeness happening. Yeah, totally. And I wonder how your struggles, how that yeah. informed what you're doing now. Totally. Yeah. And did it. And, and was it like a conscious thing? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. I The first time I ever... I think therapy has obviously been very helpful because... I, I resonate with what you're saying in, t- in terms of like, everything is great. I could never be. And I felt that for a long time. Like I could, I'm so grateful I have this family, you know, and not another one. And it really wasn't until I went on my mission. Um, I did part of my LDS mission in Ohio while I was waiting for my visa. And then I did about a year and three months in Brazil. And it really wasn't until I got on my mission. And this is before you could call home every week that I was like, something was off. Like something was off. And I started therapy on my mission, which is, was a mess in and of itself. My um, mission president's wife likened my hair pulling to cocaine. She was like, you know, why would you, like, if you're pulling your hair, it's like cocaine. Why would you keep snorting cocaine? I'm like, this doesn't feel like drugs, but I guess I will keep repenting for said compulsions. And so, um, yeah, it wasn't until I was on my mission and then I got home and within about 48 hours of getting home, I was like, I was, okay, something's off. Like, I don't know what it is, but something is not landing with me. And so, um, I know I didn't want to be home. And so I went out, I came out to BYU for like probably three days after I got home because it was just, it was so uncomfortable to me. Something was pushing me away from my family of origin and the things that I knew. And so, um, I think, I, I think I just got curious about it. And I've been in therapy ever since <laughs> 10 years this year. <laughs> so, yes. yeah, I, um, I think I just got curious about it. And I think when I realized, like, my capability as a human, like, I can still cry and be okay. 
Like just because I cry doesn't mean that to take a step back in my pro in my progress, or just because I cry doesn't mean that I'm not strong enough. I'm crying because I ha- like there's hard things in my life, you know. And so I felt so empowered when I had that that piece of me, this new like insightful piece of me. And so um, I was like, I think I want to do this in terms of like therapy not because I want to solve other people's problems or not because I have like a savior complex, but like how powerful it is to know that you're not a broken person. Yes. You know? So did that come to you after you started therapy and you were like, yeah, this is what I want to do. It's funny. I asked my husband this cause I met my husband at a very whirlwind of coming home from my mission. I met my husband probably three days after I got home and then we started dating two weeks later and then we got married four and a half months later very overwhelming. And I look at my husband now, I'm like, gosh, you are so kind. Like, thank you for sticking with me when I was 21 and deeply unwell and <laughs> dealing with things. And he was like, we should find you somebody to talk to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, and I apparently I told him at some point, like, I really want to be a therapist. I don't really remember that, but, um, I, I just, I really love connection. I'm a highly sensitive person. And so I thrive on connection. I love giving gifts. I'm a super amazing gift giver. And, um, I love making people feel seen and I don't know. So I think like therapy in that way, just like, it's kind of my jam in terms of like, I, I can hang. And so in like a professional and in a personal way, like I tell my clients, like when I'm, I give you my number cause I'm signed up for you. Like I, I want you to text me cause I'm signed up for you. It's like, we're just together. We'll do things. We'll heal. It'll be fine. So, yeah. You say you're a highly sensitive person. I am an HSP. HSP. HSP for life. What is that? What is it? Mean? Oh, man. It is a life-changing aspect of yourself when you can put a name with it. it. Holy moly. I um, I actually didn't even know about this. I keep meaning to make a post about this, but it's like so big. It's really cool. It's researched by Elaine Aaron that came out in like the 1990s. And it really hasn't like, I mean, thank God for social media because it really hasn't been a huge, huge talking point until fairly recently because it's a, what it is, is they're finding it's like a genetic trait in people that feel deeply that when you see, you know, a painting or you taste something amazing, it's like, this is the best moment of my life. I have never been so happy in my life. And other people are like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty painting, but like, there's other pieces of, of the museum I want to see. And it's like, no, but this moment <laughs> is breathtaking, yeah. you know? But so it's like, you have this amazing thing where you can connect with people. You're an incredible gift giver. You feel so deeply. You're an advocate for marginalized people because you can hold their pain. Yeah. But on the flip side, it's really hard because when you have pain, it will absolutely swallow you whole. And it's, you know, it can end you in an emotional way because you feel pain so deeply. And I think that that's part of the reason why it's hard for somebody to be a highly sensitive person, to be a member of the church and to have something like a traumatic birth because they're all on top of each other, but you feel it all as one thing. Yes. So yeah, the layering, so much layering. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even just like in the terms of like this, this piece of being highly sensitive, they've studied it in deer where they've looked at two different deer, like one, one deer they've termed as like highly sensitive and the other one is not. And how they've looked at that is the one deer that's not highly sensitive will go out to the meadow and eat food. And kind of really the, the first thought isn't a predator. The first thought is food. 
So they'll kind of go out. Whereas the other deer that is highly sensitive, the first thought is predator. Okay. I know that I need food, but there's something out there that could damage me. So how can I be the most strategic right now to meet my needs? So I'm just going to wait and see. Like she doesn't want to die. So she's not going to go out to the meadow without thinking about it. And so um, it's a very layered type of thinking that if you don't know that you like, that you are a highly sensitive person, you feel like a crazy person because people are like you're so sensitive or you're so dramatic. Like, Oh my gosh, get over it. And you're like, I, my body feels it. Like, I don't know. And so it's, it's, it's a gnarly mix of OCD, highly sensitive, being a highly sensitive person and being, you know, in the religious community that we're a part of, it's hard. It's a layered thing to pull apart and see what's inside and make it malleable and squishy and fluffy so that you don't feel so crazy. That is fascinating to me that that you've been able to identify all of those things as for what they are. Mm-hmm. Because, because I think what we start with is just kind of a mass of like, I am just not well. I'm just not. I'm just deeply unwell. I'm, just, I'm not thriving. Yes. Yes. And so to pull those apart and say, well, this is this is religious trauma. Mm-hmm. This is OCD that mm-hmm. has roots and anxiety mm-hmm. in childhood. Mm-hmm. And this has, you know, I'm a highly sensitive person. Person. This is how I came into the world. Right. This and is so, from day one of my life. Yeah. I am this way. Mm-hmm. And how all of those things interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And then you put relationships Oof. into that. <laughs> <laughs> you just and might as well, like, take a nap. I, I don't know. Like, as I talk about it, I get excited. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I go, okay, that just means I think I'm doing what I should be doing. Totally. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I resonate with that. Like, I can hang. This is where I'm supposed to be. This mm-hmm. is where I should be. Yeah, totally. I don't think it's for everybody. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, I cry a lot, but everything's okay. <laughs> when I'm crying, it's not as urgent as you think it is because I do this a lot. Right. So I can't right. even tell you the amount of times, like, I'll be – because I, like, I just feel things deeply. So there was one time I was on my phone, and my husband and I were – I think we were just waiting to go to dinner or something like that, and I was on my phone. And I, like, quickly put it down, and he saw me kind of look around. He's like – I so help me if you watched a video about foxes being <laughs> like like pelt factories or something. I'm like, it's still legal in some places. And how do we do this? Do we go rescue the foxes ourselves? My husband's like, wow, that's in Russia. Like we can't go there. I'm so sorry you feel this deeply. Yeah. And so it can be hard for partners too because it's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like this is in Russia. This doesn't mean anything to you. But I'm like, the foxes though. Yeah. Like they don't know. Like it's for us it's a whole experience right it's almost like it's almost like we are the foxes or something like it's so urgent to us to watch a video like that and i'm using foxes i mean there's scary stuff right now all around us um that we feel it in our bones as if we are part of you know an oppressed community or we are part of the horrible things that are going on in afghanistan like they rock us as if we're a part of that because we do feel so deeply and so it's so important to have your partner on board with that because in those moments, you need to be seen for yeah. what's happening to you. And so get, I mean, like, I have so many times, like, if I have a highly sensitive person in my chair, I'm like, get your spouse in here. I'm going to give you a little lesson. So your spouse will be like, oh, my gosh, that's what goes through your brain. And you'll be like, yes, this is why I'm the way I am. Yeah. And then we're squishy closer together and everything will be fine. Right. But I'm like, get, like, get your people in your circle so you don't feel so overwhelmed and isolated at the same time. Something goes to mind. Uh, the other day, I would I cry a lot too. Oh, like, I just cry at any moment. I, I just it just it, it just, just happens. happens. <laughs> and um, 
and of course, always learning about myself, but mm-hmm. I just had a, such a funny moment with my husband when I was crying and he was up in the office and he just kind of, he peeked out and he saw me and, and then he just kind of left and went up, went mm-hmm. on his way. And then later on he was like, I was going to ask you what's wrong. But I was like, there's mm. like, that's just what you do. <laughs> something about you yeah. right that you are dramatic and you are sensitive and what is wrong with you like keep up where are you keep up you're not you're not with the rest of us like you're still crying about like a movie that we saw six weeks ago like what is happening with you and I think it's hard because like in those moments I know for for us people pleasing perfectionist people like we don't want to rock the boat and be like well it's a really emotional movie you know yeah. so it's like with stuff like that it's like okay whatever like you're right whatever like we kind of we kind of just drop it I was like, well, maybe I am being kind of dumb. But what's really hard that I that I see with a lot of my sweet clients is when trauma happens to us, unfortunately, we take the same approach because pain is hard to sit with in general. Like in general, it's always like, nope, it's fine. It's not a big deal. But when you're a highly sensitive person and you feel the depth of your pain, compile that with like, I just need to get over this. It will bury you. And so it really like... There's like one of my, there's a reason why I like understanding the layers about people. It's why personally I loved my degree in upstate New York is because I learned the value and the impact of layers that like when I have somebody sit down in front of me, I know that they have layers, but the empathy that I feel for like, you feel like you are literally in a cloud of smog. Like you can't breathe. You can't see your words. Your contacts are getting scratchy. Don't have a backup pair. I don't know what's going on. My phone isn't, my phone isn't charged. Like I have nothing but my, what I'm feeling and I'm absorbed. I just like, like I feel bad. My sweet clients have seen me like emotional sometimes because I just, I know what it's like to be there. And I know, um, intimately what it's like to be there on a clinical and on a personal level. And so, I think this idea of layers is a lot easier to sit with than just unresolved pain. That's like, why can't I, why can't I drop this? Well, cause you can't trauma. It changes you. Trauma. It changes you. And so how can we be strategic with your trauma? How can we hold it with compassion? How can we hold it with understanding, you know, to where it doesn't feel like you have to just be like, Oh my gosh, that wasn't a big deal. Why am I still thinking about that? You're still thinking about that because your body's on fire. I've been thinking a lot about the aspect of feeling things in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so you keep, you said well, lots of times, I feel things deeply. Mm-hmm. How, when you are experiencing mm-hmm. uh, like a, a big emotion, mm-hmm. how do you feel it deeply? What does mm-hmm. that mean to you? That's a good question. How do I feel it deeply? I'm just thinking of recent times where I felt something deeply. Like the new Killers album came out and I was like, well, this like just put me on PTO for the next three weeks because <laughs> it's just such an emotional album that I feel like spoke to me in a lot of ways. Um, that isn't when I feel deeply. It's one of those things where it's almost like all you are is that moment. Um, and that can be when you're watching a show, when you're watching an Instagram video, um, all you are is that moment. 
Um, I remember one of the last areas on my mission, and I'm not active anymore, and that's another piece of my story, but I remember one of the last areas on my mission when I knew I was going home, when I knew there was chaos at home. It wasn't like beautiful and sparkly anymore. It was, it was chaotic, and I knew that at that point. Um, and I was with these wonderful, wonderful people that I had had the honor of just knowing. You know, I look back and I'm like, well, it's because I brought them closer to Christ. And I think sweet 19-year-old Jen Cope, that was probably not it. It's you had so deeply connected with somebody on the opposite side of the world that you never knew. <clears throat> Even I just stood up to that point. And I remember um, just sitting there in the room with these sweet people and just having this moment looking down at the couch I was sitting on, at the rug I saw, um, at the snack I was eating, and I was just... It was, it was the moment, you know, and I think there was sadness there too, because I knew when I came back to the U S I knew, um, that was just going to be a memory. Like it wasn't going to, it, I could never go back there. And I think at that point I already knew, like, I'm not going to be a member forever. Like this will never happen again. And so, um, for me, when I feel deeply, it's such an immersive moment for me, um, it's like it feel I feel it in my bones, in my skin, in my face, in my heart. It's just this immersive moment for me. And um, I can't, part of the reasons that made my um, childhood, adolescence, and dating so chaotic is I'm like, I'm having this moment, right? I'm having this feeling and you're looking at me like I'm crazy. You know, like I'm a burden to you right now because I'm feeling this. I'm annoying to you right now because I'm feeling this. And who wants to be a burden? Oh my gosh, God forbid, you want to be a burden. And so shut up. But then you lie to yourself. I don't know. I just like, oh my gosh, I just encourage my clients, like, do not try to beat this piece out of you because it's so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that's the first thing that came to mind was how beautiful is that? To be able to be fully immersed in something that it's almost mm-hmm. like you're a part of it. Mm-hmm. Like, what a gift. Mm-hmm. I can I can see, but it can be a curse too. Oh, I mean, Because it's yes. the swallowing that happens, yes. like you said earlier. Yes. Swallowed by your own pain. It will end you. Well, and that was, it's been, and I think, I mean, layers, right? We're on another layer. I think that's why faith stuff, mixed marriage stuff, it's so hard because a lot of people in the church were highly sensitive people. A lot of people in the church were anxious. Mm-hmm. You know, I had somebody ask me recently, was I a good member of the church because I had OCD? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. crap. I think I was too. You know, Whoa, because it's like yeah. you, like the structure of religion in general has a lot of rules. And as anxious people, we love rules. Yeah. We love, you know, we love structure. We love knowing what's next. Right. We know we love knowing where I'm going to go after this life. And I think what was so hard, what's so hard about faith stuff is for, if you're an HSP, if you're anxious and you leave the church, you, you will cry all the time. And you'll be like, why am I crying about this when it's something that's hurt me so bad? Well, because like you, when you felt it, you felt it. Like my husband's not an HSP, bless his sweet blonde soul. And, um, like when we, when I told him that I didn't want to go, I came home from a therapy session in New York and I was like really shaky. And that's like, it's another piece how I feel deep that shake. Um, especially when I'm scared 
like even like when my first the first guy I like feel like I really ever loved when he kissed me I just like on my drive home I just was like shaking because I was like that was really scary and I'm 18 and I think I love him but I'm 18 like it was just like so many conflicting emotions I just shake yeah and so I was kind of shaky and I came home and sat down on my couch and I was like okay like I'm gonna tell my husband I don't think I want to go to church anymore and I'm like breathing and I'm like I can do this I was like Steve I don't think I want to go to church anymore I think it was like during March Madness or something. And so he kind of looks up from the TV. He's like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I don't really want to go either. And so that's fine. And just turns back to the TV. And I was like, I don't think you heard me. The religions we've dedicated our lives to, I think I'm ready to tap. Like, he's like, no, I, I felt that for a while. And I was like, well, we should process this in couples therapy. And like, cause this, it's been like three years since that conversation. I'm like, can you walk me through again? Why you never told me that? He's like, I just didn't think it was important. I'm like, again, why we need a therapist. <laughs> and so, um, but it was like, I remember, I mean, I just, I mean, the first Sunday that we intentionally missed, I would look at the clock and I'm like, it's sacrament meeting right now. I'm missing sacrament meeting. It's Sunday school right now. I'm missing Sunday school. It's really exciting right now. I'm missing exciting because it was so painful for me. Whereas like, I'm like, my husband has privilege. Like he turned away and like, we'll get spicy with things and but that's it. Like there's never been any grieving necessarily. Like it's been like frustrating for him. But for me, like I grieved and I cried and I had to take time off and I journaled and I prayed and I just leaned into my social supports in a way that I never have before because it rocked me so bad. It's, I have clients that come like, um, you know, when something happens in our religious community and I just don't know why this rattled me so much. I'm like, because it did, you know, like how could it it be bizarre if it didn't considering your history with faith and your history with prayer and your history with the church. Like it would be bizarre if you kept scrolling past something that alarmed you. And how do you not feel like a, like, like one of my goals with clients is like, how can you be okay with that? Like, let's be okay with that. That this is a piece of your story. That this is a piece that caused you trauma. This is a piece that caused you heartache. You don't have to, like, quote, not let it bother you. And that's with anything. I work with a lot of traumatic births, too. A lot of traumatic pregnancies, um, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and OCD. Do you have kids? I do. Yeah, I have one. He's three and a half. Uh-huh. And he is, he's a crazy, tiny toddler. has many questions about all things. And uh, yeah. that is because they say things. Oh, it is actually bizarre. Like he goes to this, he goes to this preschool daycare, but it's mostly a preschool in Lehigh called Fabian House. And, um, like obviously he's a child of a therapist. So he's like knows his emotions more than I personally. I'm like, man, I'm like, you saying that to me, but I taught you that. But he was walking around the house the other day and we just moved into a, a new house so we have boxes everywhere. So he's just meandering along the boxes. He goes, oh, mom, I am feeling stressed. And I was like, all <laughs> right. Like, how, why are you? Like, this is very breathy. <sighs> and I was like, whoa, why are you feeling stressed? And he, like, sits down on the stairs, just goes, just about Damien house. I'm just stressed. I'm like, all right. Toddler <laughs> dynamics, man. <laughs> You know, I hope you journaled that. I did. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. And so, yeah, I mean, kids are another layer of all of that, right? It brings up a whole new layer of being a highly sensitive person. Like there's a book that the researcher just recently released in this last year called the highly sensitive parent. And it's, it's like the highly sensitive parent, how to parent when the world overwhelms you. And I was like, well, add to cart. Like this is, so I was reading it. It feels like she had like a security camera in my house. It was very creepy. But yeah, totally. Yes. Like reach out to your social supports, even if that's just like a book. Yeah, for sure. 
Like you, you can hold pain. Yeah. I think we underestimate ourselves sometimes. Like you can hold hard things. Yeah, for sure. It's hard. Well, tell me, um, what would you want listeners, potential clients, mm-hmm. to know about you? Mm. One thing that I do like, and I can say confidently that I that I really like about myself. Yeah, I hear that come out. I'm like, no, don't actually. You can't give yourself compliments. Um, but one thing I appreciate myself as a therapist is my ability to just look at the quote problem as just a piece. It's just a piece of all the things, you know, and I love ending a session with clients for the first time and having them leave feeling like, oh, I'm not actually swallowed. Maybe I was, but in this moment, I don't have to be. Like, I have the opportunity to say, no, thank you if I don't, if I want to, to anything. Yeah. You know, like, just like, oh, no, thank you. We're not, you, you say that to your mind, oh, no, thank you. I'm not doing that today. Yeah. You know, like, I love working slowly with clients. I love building rapport. I love feeling steady. I love, you know, really signing up for clients. I'm not a homework therapist. Like I'm not going to send you home with a worksheet and be like, report back. I might like have a question for you to swirl around in your mind in the time that we all meet together. But like, I always tell my clients, you're the one that lives in your life. I don't even know what your house looks like. I don't know what your husband looks like. Like you don't have a dog, like unclear what kind of dog it is. Like you're the one that lives in your life. And so when you come and talk to me, we don't have to talk about the problem. We can talk about work. We can talk about kids. We can talk about, you know, faith stuff, whatever you want to talk about. It's your hour. I trust that you're the one that lives in your life. I don't have an agenda. And I think it would be, um, it would be inappropriate of me to have an agenda for what you need when I don't even know like what your house looks like. So yeah, I mean, I just like, I really, I feel at my best when I'm a therapist that can handle that. And I've tried to like, like I've had clients like, well, I really love homework. I'm like, I am so sorry. You will not like me. Like, and I've, cause I've, I've tried to, to lean that way and I just can't, I'm not at my best. I know what I can offer is wonderful when I'm clicked in and I know what I can't when I'm not. Yeah. That's awesome. Which is humbling. So, and I think too, like I try to be vulnerable with clients in terms of like, oh man, sorry, this is out of my wheelhouse. Or like, I think my emotions are getting in the way, you know? And I hate saying that because it's like, well, aren't you a therapist? Like you should be bulletproof. And I'm like, no, when like, when this was happening and you said X, Y, and Z, or you're, or the person you were in therapy with said X, Y, and Z, I was like, nah, I'm breaking out in hive. Sorry, I got a tap. Like, I can't <laughs> I'm sorry, this resonates something too much with me, or this is like, out of my wheelhouse. Like, I'm sorry. And I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Cause oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Jen. I like being a therapist. It's fun. Yeah. Who, who would be, I don't know. I don't know how to ask it. Your favorite client. <laughs> favorite clients. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> but yes. when you are like, when you are in that, like I am at my best. Yeah. And, and you can see that the other person is being affected. Mm-hmm. Who is that client? Oof. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's like, I mean, and I think this can go for just client. Like if you go to therapy in general, like 
if you can put yourself mentally in a place of like, I kind of need to, to be a little flexible right now and be a little malleable and not a lot, but sometimes like your therapist kind of has to get your foot in the door, you know, in terms of like, okay, let's even just like plant the idea in your head of self-compassion, you know, or of maybe you should sleep more. And so, um, I, some of my, and I feel really privileged. I mean, honestly, like I'm just running through my like clients right now. Honestly, I don't think I've ever had a, a like with my sweet people. I, I feel honored that they trust me in this terms of like, I have people come and sit down and are just present. And so I would say like my ideal client, I mean, just be present. Like I don't worry about me. Don't try to protect my feelings. Like I have a lot of, um, like active family members and active clients. And I have, I always smile. I'm like, I don't want to like trigger you or anything. I'm like, I'm in twice weekly therapy. Like I'm fine. You know, like I have privilege. I've never had to be through a mixed faith marriage. I've never had to decide whether or not are we going to bless my son? How are we going to tell our families? Like I've never had to do that. Um, but also at the same time, you're not going to trigger me by saying X, Y, and Z, or just because, you know, my family was chaotic. If you say yours was, that doesn't mean I'm going to be like, oh, I got it. Like, does anybody have a Xanax? Like I, like I'm, I'm I can hang, trust yeah. me that I'm doing my own work and that I'm here sitting in this black office chair for a reason. I'm okay. Don't protect me. It's okay. I tell that with when I have like, I see couples too. I always know. I don't I know. That my husband's here. I don't want to hurt his feelings. I'm like, he's okay. Like, yeah. don't protect him. He's okay. Yeah. It's the same with me. Don't worry about, don't worry about me. Like you're sitting on the, on the couch for an hour because you want to. And I'm so love that for you. So just chat about all the things. Like I don't, like I said, I don't have an agenda. I just want to, I want to hear the things. I have things that inform the way that I am as a therapist, the way that I am as a person, the way that I am as a mom, like via science and my life. That's what I bring to the table. Thank it's you fun. so much for seeing me. I am I love, I love stuff like this. I love talking about therapy stuff. I love, um, like I said, I mean, I just, sometimes I think of people are like, how do you hold everybody's problems? I'm like, I don't know that I hold them per se, because that feels, it's not only what a therapist does. It's more like kind of what friends do. We love friends for them. Yeah. But I just feel so, so honored that I get to know the intimate details of my community and the pain and the happiness and yeah. feel pride in people that I never would have met anywhere else, mm-hmm. but sitting here, like how grateful I am to witness mm-hmm. and honor. Yeah. I think I am right there with you. I think one of the coolest things is just being able to be impacted yeah. by people that yeah. I wouldn't normally be impacted by. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. Like what a privilege. Right. So people, I had somebody apologize to me. I'm so sorry. I feel like I well, actually I have people say so I feel like I word vomited on you. I'm like, this is my faith. Like, <laughs> like I'm always like, look at my body, body language. I am like eating gummy worms right now. Like yeah. I am not stressed at all about, yeah. or like, oh my gosh, you just talked the whole time. I'm glad you did. And I didn't. I'd be annoyed at myself if I did. Awesome. You're so sweet to talk to me. <laughs> I'm at Mindful Counseling at Warham. Yes. Yeah, so or yes. Provo. Um, and if, you know, we have a super fun Little practice here. Actually, it's not little anymore. It's big. Yeah. So mindfulness. No. Mindful counseling. Mindful counseling. Yes. In Orem. Well, it's Provo. It's just like barely into Provo. Okay. Right across from the Riverwoods. Okay. Right. That's right. That's where we were. 
yes. where we are. That's where we are currently. So I'm here. Um, my I my degree is in marriage family therapy. I'm the only one that has that degree here. Um, my girlfriends that work here too are clinical mental health or social work, and then we just we actually have three interns right now: two from the University of Utah, one from Indiana University. That are like kind of awesome too because they get to hang out with us. Yeah. So you, it, there's such a cool vibe here. Like being in the space, it's mm-hmm. very vibey. Mm-hmm. But even just following, because I think I follow a number of you from the mm-hmm. office online, yeah. and mm-hmm. you just you're just cool people. We're just cool people. You are just cool people. Like hang out with us. <laughs> You want to be friends with us <laughs> and or clients of us. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, like, yeah, we all just kind of, I know for me, like, I kind of take clients on, like, a rolling basis. So I have time and you have time and sweet. Like, yeah. I don't ever have a time where I'm like, well, my books are open and books are closed. Like, just okay. text me and see see if we can make time work for each other. Okay. So, so it's not, I mean, you're not taking new clients and you're not taking yeah, new clients. Yeah, just think like if we have time to be together, together sweet. Let's like, do it. Yeah, totally. And so you can, a lot of times, like other the other clinicians that are here, openings will be posted on Instagram. All of us are on Instagram. For me, my, what is my handle? At Just Jen Cope, because I'm Just Jen Cope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. I my husband it. was like, should you be Just Jen Cope? I was like, wait a minute, see, you're onto something. So <laughs> we're all on Instagram. Yeah, So and I post videos on there, too, and so you can see, like, what I even look what like. What you look like. I Who know. are you? So. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Wait, friends, don't go. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you leave me a good rating? And spread the word. Tell a friend. 